0: This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Welcome to episode 18 of Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news and what didn't and what shouldn't have. So on the panel we have today, Rohin. Hello, Hello. Rohan. Hanging out with us over the phone, we have Amit, who will be giving us details about on-ground action in pole Karnataka. Hi, Amit. Hi. Okay. Also in the house today is a reporter from the caravan, Nikita Saxena, who's very closely followed the judge Loya case and has also done a profile of Rajiv Chandrasekhar for the December issue of the caravan. Hi, Nikita. Hi. And this is Chari Agarwal, your host for this podcast, because Abhinandan is busy doing what Abhinandan does. So before we go on to discuss the new tiger in the jungle, which is BJP MP Rajiv Chandrasekhar owned. Jupiter Capital's new venture. Let's get some taza khabar from Amit about the upcoming elections in Karnataka. So Amit, you've already sent us four stories uh, to which you will all find the links below. So with just four days to go for the polls, uh, what's happening on ground?
1: See, uh, right now, I just see the uh, Bombay-Karnataka region which is uh, considered to be the Lingayata World Bank uh, base. Uh... So, maybe in the next episode, uh, before the polls happen, I'll be able to talk about this reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, But overall, you know, uh, as I I, I mentioned in Charcha and uh, Hafta that uh, there's no pan-Karnataka issue, this time in the polls, and it's all, you know, region-based issues. Mm -hmm. So, if you travel in Bombay-Karnataka, there will be different kind of issues. If you travel in Hyderabad-Karnataka, you have a different kind of issues. And then in Bangalore, obviously you have uh, the urban voter where the thought process is completely different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I spent the last five days in coastal Karnataka, and uh, we have already released the two stories from coastal Karnataka, mm-hmm. so, which uh, speaks about uh, the kind of politics that is being played on ground by both the parties, and primarily the Bharatiya Janata Party and the Sangha Parivar. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: So have there have the campaigns intensified with the With just four days to go, the polls are so close. So, has there been any change uh, in strategies that are employed by the different parties? You recently snuck into an RSS campaign strategy meeting. So, can you tell us more about that? What happened? How did you sneak in?
1: See, uh, there's this person called uh, Kalarka Prabhakar but And if you read my reports from Karnataka, I think uh, so far he has featured in uh, three or four uh, stories and lives that we have done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we need to understand first who is Karanka Prabhakar But because, uh, I mean, someone from Karnataka, I mean, from the uh, Karabali region, that is, the coastal Karnataka, people would understand who he is. Uh, so the 73-year-old uh, RSS strongman is known for his fears and aggressive speeches. And uh, he started his career, as in he started... Uh, Growing and becoming a big leader during the 1992 uh, Mm -hmm. protest, which uh, followed, I mean, uh, which started with the demolition of the Barbary Masjid. So, uh, you have to understand like uh, the entire uh, coastal Karnataka region, uh, the Hindutva groups there, the fringe groups, the BJP, everyone respects him. And this person is believed to be the architect of the first uh, BJP government in the state, which was formed in 2008. Mm-hmm. and uh, if you are in coastal karnataka uh, uh, when i went to the uh, went to mangalore last year to cover the NL Sena project uh, so this person had carried out uh, a rally a procession of 5000 people despite section 144 being in place so just understand what kind of power he has now he's organizing the RSS workers, he is taking meetings, he has been traveling a lot uh, to places. So all these meetings like uh, in the story that we have uh, published, Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it was quite interesting. I wanted to meet him, he clearly told me that because of the senior leadership's order, he cannot speak to the media anymore. And I knew that, uh, you know, it's worth it even to meet him for for five minutes, Mm -hmm. even if there's no story. You mm-hmm. understand what kind of politics is being played uh, behind the door. So I went to his house and it's a very uh, small, uh, I mean, uh, a normal house which a middle class family would own uh, a township called Kalarka, which mm-hmm. is famous for its tea. Mm-hmm. So the security deployed there told me that he is not there. Okay. Obviously, he had uh, a day before he had refused to meet me. And then I went to the temple, which is uh, regarded as the power center of uh, Karadaka township, mm-hmm. uh, which was built by uh, Prabhakar Bhatt himself. Okay. So uh, I asked someone there, he told that uh, he was uh, at the temple at 2 p.m., but mm-hmm. he has left. i started climbing the stairs mm-hmm. and he, I just wanted to see where is the temple and what exactly it is. Because it's a mm-hmm. huge complex where you have, sh- you know, a number of shops uh, and then you have marriage halls. Mm-hmm. And eventually on the top floor, uh, that is the roof, you have uh, a big temple. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first I noticed the police and then on the left I noticed uh, a bunch of people, like around 40 people sitting in, uh, heard. And um, that was
0: the campaign so strategy I, meeting happening I there.
1: Uh, checked and it was Prabha- Prabhakar Kaladka, uh, you know, who was convening the meeting and uh, even though I don't understand Kannada and Tulu,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Sulu is the local language here mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in in the coastal belt, mm-hmm. so I could catch the phrases, and you you un- do understand what's going on. So the focus, uh, the the RSS workers were being asked to focus on Hindu households. They were asked how many Hindus and Muslims live in their area, you know, and then all these details are given there in, in the story. So what the the uh, crux of it is that if RSS is campaigning, is focusing on Hindu households, and these the BJP has clearly said that it is uh, campaigning against the anti-majority policies of the Ramaya government. So you have RSS on one hand, you have mm-hmm. the BJP on the other hand, and then uh, the fringe groups or the minions of Sangha Parivar uh, like the Badrang Dal, the Hindu Jagran Vedike. And one more important thing is that uh, never before RSS has gone on record, uh, to say that it is campaigning for BJP number one and number two, it has never handed over voter list to its uh, you know workers. so mm-hmm. this time in Karnataka, the RSS workers are being handed over proper voter list so that they can go ahead and campaign in their respective booths.
0: So, yeah. uh, they're very serious about the stakes that these elections, upcoming elections hold, right? Right. Also, right. before uh, we let you go, we know you have to go cover stories. I just wanted to ask, have you, changed, uh, have you observed any change in the party's election or rather media strategies of late? Uh, media
1: strategy, I don't like uh, So, so I have, this is my third uh, this is the third state election uh, that I'm covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have seen, like in Uttar Pradesh, the Samajwadi party was in power. So, besides the cookie of uh, journalists that the party had formed, it was not open to the people who used to visit or, uh, you know, uh, Paris, who were doing parallel journalism when the election schools were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sim- uh, the same thing happened in Gujarat where the Bharatiya Janta party was in power so, and is in power. Their nature was, uh, they were not very keen to share a lot of information with the outsider press. Okay. But here uh, in Karnataka, where Congress is in power, the KPCCB Karnataka uh, Pradesh Congress Committee, it's very friendly with the media. It would provide you every input and details that you need at any point of time. Mm-hmm. And they would be ready to help you even at 12 in the night. So that is one difference that I'm seeing in terms of media
3: rohin would like to add to this uh, amit aap jo bata rahe hain isme ek cheez main janna cha raha hu ki prakash raj karnataka mein seminars kar rahe hain rallies kar rahe hain ji to karnataka ke voter ke liye rakh rahe hain aur wo congress ko attack kam kar rahe congress ko attack so I want what are they thinking about the voters in the heart Prakash Raj? Look, uh, for
1: uh, Bangalore, tha, uh, Prakash Raj might just galvanize the vote bank, anti-BJP vote bank.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but he won't be a factor per se. Mm-hmm. Because the people who have already decided not to vote for BJP, they'll just become even more confident. Uh, people like Prakash Raj or even Jibanesh Bivani who is uh, campaigning with him, i'm holding rallies in karnataka hmm. uh, they really don't matter a lot to the voters per se
3: uh perception uh, building mein ka role hai perception build kar paane mein ye kamyaab ho rahe
1: why I was saying that the anti-BJP voter already will be confident in his mind. But the neutral voter or the BJP voter will not be no different from Prakaas Raj. Mm-hmm. And number two, Prakaas Raj is limited to the television screen. Okay. Right, his impact mm-hmm. is not on the ground. And on the other hand, you have parties, uh, there are booth workers talking about uh, but the Congress party has also changed this strategy this time they they have uh, they are done in the areas where they are, they are, they are done with the big rallies of Rahul Gandhi or uh, you know the ma- mass mobilization hmm. this time they are adopting door to door campaign which is the RSS strategy so uh in phases mein mm-hmm. ho chote chote door to door ho rahe hain koshish hai do round team round door to door her assembly with Katam kar diya before the elections or uh, the polling day Or aur uh, uh, fir panchayat level ki meeting councillor level ki meeting booth karyakarta ki meeting yes are cheeze ho rahi on the part of congress this is something new Or bjp ka already uh, bata diya ji
0: so um, amit do you have anything else to add before we let you go
1: uh, no. Besides that, they should uh, read two stories uh, from Karnataka. One mm-hmm. is the uh, Prabhakar Kaladka, but uh, that meeting, which uh, the story which we published yesterday, and the other is uh, Shobha Kharlanaje's interview, which we carried, I believe, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, without being in, having any bias, I just want the readers to read these interviews and the conversations which has happened and uh, decide what kind of... And yes, one thing that I wanted to add is uh, Prime Minister's rally. So the Congress Party had an edge in Karnataka. Let's be honest about it. But the moment... uh, And it was being said that uh, things might change once Prime Minister Narendra Modi starts his campaign. And at least in the coastal Karnataka, I have witnessed the change and uh, the Hindu voters, because that's the term being used in the area... Uh, have been galvanized after uh, PM Modi's rally. So, uh, I mean, things might change from here now that the uh, Prime Minister himself is campaigning in the uh, in Karnataka. Yeah, that's it from my side.
0: So, do you want to share your recommendations or those stories were your that's recommendations?
1: What I said. The, the, those two stories are my recommendations. Sure.
0: Thank you for joining us, Amit.
1: Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: So, moving on from Karnataka to... Nikita's uh, stories that she's done so far. Nikita, you've closely followed up on the Judge Loya story and we've seen that the uh, government, uh, that the Supreme Court has refused to order and pendant probe. So, over the course of the coverage, what have been the challenges that you've faced in getting these stories out? And what else do you want to add to what the petitions have led to?
4: Right. So, um, we first broke the story regarding, you know, the suspicious circumstances or the suspicions of Judge Loya's family regarding his death on uh, 21st November um, 2017. So, it's been about five months since and the caravan has done about 22 stories uh, before the Supreme Court judgment came out. Uh, I did the last two. Mm -hmm. So the first story was essentially um, an investigation that I did with about 17 current and former employees from Ravi Bhavan, which is Mm -hmm. the guest house at which uh, Judge Loya Loya was said to be staying at. Um, The strange part was that, you know, uh, according to the statements of the four judges, Uh, We are told that he fell ill um, on the night intervening 30th November and 1st December 2014 at around 4 Mm -hmm. a.m. I spoke to employees who were also in Ravi Bhawan in November and December 2014 and of the 17 people that I met and spoke to, not one of them recalled that a guest at uh, the, you know, at the guest house that they were employed with had fallen grievously ill at four in the morning, that uh, two judges, according to their statements, had come into the guest house at that point, and that eventually five judges in total had sort of gone to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And this judge who had fallen very ill had also died. Now, this was somewhat surprising because... uh, um, one is to understand the placement of the suites in Ravi Bhavan. So, according to the statements, what one can deduce is uh, possibly that they were staying in suit number 20 in Ravi okay. Bhawan. Now, um, it's a fairly sprawling guest house, but suit mm-hmm. number 20 happens to be in the same building that the reception of the guest house is located at, mm-hmm. which is building number one. Now, when there are employees at the guest house who are on night duty, most mm-hmm. of them tend to collect around the reception. Mm-hmm. This is about 40 steps away from the staircase that leads to suit number 20, which is the first room you hit mm-hmm. if you take the staircase to the immediate right of the reception. Uh, there was an interesting sort of thing that had happened while I was reporting there, which was that I was sitting at the reception on one of the days that I was reporting, and it is a circular sort of room Mm -hmm. uh, with around four big windows from Mm -hmm. which you can see to the outside of the road. And it was around seven in the evening. There was quite a lot of chaos within the reception and television was on. A lot of people were talking. And there was a bus that sort of came in with Mm -hmm. a group of people who I presume were going to be staying at the guest house and as soon as I heard it, despite the din, I instinctively kind of turned to the window uh, below which I was sitting because all of these windows are Mm -hmm. located above the sofas in the reception and I could make out the silhouette of the people who were getting off and they were incidentally getting off right at the staircase uh, that leads to suit number 20. At that point, it was even more difficult then for me to sort of think that at 4am when it is presumably much quieter, Mm -hmm. that there is a car that's coming in, that there is presumably some sort of disquiet because these people are discussing taking the judge Mm -hmm. to the hospital. And there are a number of questions that sort of came up during my interviews with the former Mm -hmm. and current employees. So, for example... One of them who used to, you know, has been on the night duty was telling me that, you know, although you tend to get tired, obviously when you're working that late night graveyard sort of shift, you don't really end up getting sleep. You know, Mm -hmm. he said that you kind of lie down and you're trying to get some sleep. The second thing is that some of them also said that they tend to sleep on the sofas, Mm -hmm. not all of them, but some of them did say this. Now, if they are sleeping on the sofas, this would mean that you're right below the window. So I would imagine that if there are... You know, two people coming in and all mm-hmm. of them are leaving. If it is that you don't sleep that heavily, you would literally just need to look up and you'd be able to see, um, you know, that all of these people are so leaving. So none of
0: them, in your interviews with them, have said that they no. saw these. No, and judges I mean, one of them I remember out. had two of them in fact didn't even know that he had died. And
4: um, the rest of them said that they had found out only post the media coverage mm-hmm. that followed the caravan's you know breaking off the story, which is very surprising because, as one of them said that you know even if at late night uh high profile guests are coming in and you know the term that he used is and that that is the kind of conversation that you expect does sort of kind of flow in a government but you house you find that there yeah now here a judge has died and mm-hmm. he was staying at the guest house at that time is what we're told and none of them find out that's mm-hmm. very strange none of them seem to knew, know what had happened with his belongings for mm-hmm. example um, another one of them pointed out that you know while there is no procedure set in stone for what happens if a situation like this is to occur uh one and this was something that they said to me that one would presume that you're going to if you call the reception mm-hmm. the reception will then get in touch with uh the in charge of the guest house after which they would Put a procedure in place to kind of make sure that an ambulance is either on its way or arrangements Mm -hmm. are made to take the judge or whoever Mm -hmm. is ill to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now, why the reception was not called, why it was thought that it is a better idea to wait for two judges to first come to the guest house and then take him, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to the hospital, which I assume is going to lead to a
0: lot of loss in time is something that was not
4: clear at all. So also... uh,
0: parallel to the caravan's report Indian Express also did a report which was quite contrary to what the caravan did so what are your thoughts on that
4: I mean so uh, there was a sort of uh, more comprehensive report that we did post uh, uh, you know post a lot of the media coverage that came in, pointing out a lot of the discrepancies. This was done by Atul Dev, who's also a staff writer at the caravan. Mm -hmm. Um, So given that he's done the story, I'll try and sort of stick to the outline because Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into the intricacies for fear of getting something wrong. Um, But essentially, I mean, one of the uh, prime things that comes to mind is that the express... um, A, based its testimonies, uh, A, based uh, some of its report on the testimonies of two serving judges of Mm -hmm. the Bombay High Court. Um, Now, the caravan did attempt to reach out to these judges, but uh, they did not speak to us. Um, And also, they say, if I'm not wrong, that they sort of joined this group of people who first went to Dundee Hospital and then Meditrina Hospital at Mm Meditrina. So, this at at least at that point when the express report had come out before the Supreme Court proceedings would lead us to believe that then they knew the events at Meditrina, which means that the events from Ravi Bhavan to Dande, from Dande to Meditrina still remained at that point and continue to remain slightly ambiguous despite the statements as sort of uh, comes through at least I think from the Ravi Bhavan follow up, Mm -hmm. for example, that we've done. Um, There was also the matter of the ECG report, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, on Mm -hmm. which the date was a full day prior Mm -hmm. to uh, the day on which Judge Loya actually died, which was later, once it was pointed out on social media, Mm -hmm. attributed to a technical issue. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think these are some of the uh, sort of uh, inconsistencies that we pointed out in a follow-up report which I would recommend as reading to anyone who's interested I think if I'm not wrong this was our 11th report okay. um, in the series and it was published in December mm-hmm. um, and Atul did a fairly thorough job of sort of speaking to um, people from um you know, the various hospitals that were involved and Mm -hmm. trying to get a sense of what had actually happened. And in the course of that, he also points out some of the inconsistencies that we had noticed in the coverage of other Mm -hmm. media organizations. Just to get to the second story, which I just Mm -hmm. quickly want to cover, because that I think uh, sort of took a step forward. So Ravi Bhavan Mm -hmm. was kind of us doing the... Same thing in terms of you know trying to figure out mm-hmm. um, where the facts didn't tally. The second story that I had done was on the post mortem examination of Judge Lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, for which I had spoken to you know 14 current and former employees from GMC Nagpur. Um, during the course of this story, I um, also met uh, there were those of those empl- those among the employees. Uh, that I spoke to who were present during the postmortem examination mm-hmm. of Judge Loya revealed to us some startling facts. So just to quickly uh, appraise the listeners of that, one was that they said that there was a doctor who was involved in the postmortem who we've not really heard of in any of the medical uh, records or the stories that had come since or the legal, you know, sort of proceedings. Uh, a person called Dr. Makaran Vyavahare, who was in the forensic department of GMC Nagpur at that time and who, according to those who were present at the postmortem examination, actually sort of directed the course of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Those employees among these who were present at the postmortem examination also told me that there was a head injury on uh, Judge Loya's head, which was bleeding so profusely that mm-hmm. the cloth on which his body was placed was sort of drenched at the spot under his head and was completely red. Mm-hmm. Now, this fact has not made it to the postmortem examination. Um, Dr. Vyavahare, who is now the head of the forensic department at another hospital in Nagpur, IGMC Nagpur, um was, uh, is also the brother-in-law of Mr. Sudhir Mungantivar, who is the finance minister of Maharashtra, um, and had in fact faced an investigation, uh, internal investigations by GMC mm-hmm. Nagpur in November 2015, um, shortly after, uh, you know, the post mortem examination of Judge Loya in December twenty fourteen. By Jan twenty fifteen, according to the the people I spoke to, he had taken over, Dr. Vivari had taken over as the head of the department mm-hmm. of um, GMC Nagpur's forensic department as well. By November twenty fifteen there was a postcat. Postgraduate student in the college from the department who attempted suicide mm-hmm. because of what he alleged was harassment uh, and the trauma that he faced because of harassment by Dr. Bahare. Subsequently, there have been multiple complaints that the students of GMC Nagpur, the postgraduate students, also made allegations mm-hmm. regarding uh, tampering in post-mortem reports mm-hmm. um and there was also a complaint of sexual harassment by one of the students dr via was posted out of Nagpur for just a year but he mm-hmm. came back um this sort of we thought kind of took the story forward and pointed out something to us that we hadn't known before so just sort of wanted to flag that off okay. as well thank you Sorry for cutting
0: so, hmm,
3: That's okay. So Rohin, what do you have for us this week? Uh Judge Loya वाले Mamle पे तो दो चीज़ में पहला तो कल सोशल मीडिया पे एक वीडियो चल है. जी ही. पीछे लिखा है तो मुझे खास करके हिंदी पट्टी में अगर लोग इस तरीके से सार्वजनिक रूप से पूछने लगे तो ये भी बहुत बड़ी उपलब्धि होगी कि एक ऑटो वाला जिसको क्योंकि हिंदी की मीडिया में तो जज लोया की कोई कहानी आई नहीं है नहीं। तो हिंदी के कई लोगों को मैं अपने घर पर पूछता हूं जज लोया के बारे में कुछ नहीं होता है क्राइसिस पैदा हुआ है और जो जजेस की प्रेस कॉन्फ्रेंस हुई थी वो मुझे लगता है कि आने वाले दिनों में वो एक लैंडमार्क होगा हिस्ट्री में जब हम हिस्ट्री करेंगे इस वीक मुझे लग रहा है कि अलीगढ़ मुस्लिम यूनिवर्सिटी पे एक बार फिर से बात होनी चाहिए जी। क्योंकि वहां जो घटना हुई है वो बहुत सामान्य घटना नहीं है नहीं। ऐसा नहीं है कि मीडिया की रिपोर्टिंग नहीं है लेकिन मीडिया की रिपोर्टिंग बहुत तरीके से कन्वेंिएंटली कुछ फैक्ट्स को छोड़ दिए गए हैं बार-बार यह बताया जा रहा है और क्वेश्चन हिंदी मीडिया खास के यह पूछ रहा है कि जिन्ना की यह बस दूर इतने सारे लोग आते हैं पूर्व उपराष्ट्रपति के कुछ प्रोटोकॉल्स होते हैं उनकी सुरक्षा की बात होती है तो इन चीजों पे कहीं कोई बात नहीं हो रही है और चुकि हामिद अंसारी हैं तो इसलिए इसके साथ दो तीन कंटेक्स्ट जोड़ना जरूरी है आपको याद होगा हामिद अंसारी ने अपने रिटायरमेंट उसके बाद से संघ और भाजपा के लोग उनको डायरेक्ट अटैक करने लगे तो यहाँ तक कि कैबिनेट मिनिस्टर्स ने भी उनको इनडायरेक्टली टारगेट किया था कि वो राजन, राजनीति कर रहे हैं उसी तरीके से मुझे याद है कि डबायर उर्दू लॉन्च हो रहा था और विनोद दुआ इंटरव्यू कर रहे थे हामिद अंसारी का तो उन्होंने इससे यही पूछा कि आप छोड़ रहे हैं तो अब क्या आप कुछ बोलेंगे हामिद अंसारी फिर से टाल गए उसी तरीके से जिन्ना वाली घटना और जो अटैक वाली घटना थी उस पे भी हामिद अंसारी कुछ नहीं बोले और उन्होंने मीडिया को बयान नहीं दिया नहीं। तो इससे
2: समझिए
3: कि एक ब्यूरोक्रेट हामिद अंसारी पे हेडलाइंस टुडे के दफ्तर में अटैक हुआ था 2010 में तो इन चीजों को जोड़ के देखा जाना चाहिए और जिन्ना की मूर्ति तस्वीर जो लगी है वो 1938 से लगी है और लोगों को मालूम नहीं है कि हमारे कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन कांस्टिट्यूएंट जो थी उसने भी जिन्ना को श्रद्धांजलि थी के बाद तो मतलब मुझे लगता है कि आप को से तो तो इस तरीके से का विवाद करके और तरीके से बताया गया है कि मुसलमानों की यूनिवर्सिटी है और हमेशा से ही कि इस्लामोफोबिया उसको बनाया गया है तो ये पूरा अटैक उसको लेके और इस सीरियसली इस बहुत चिंता करने की बात है
0: एंड व्हाट डू यू थिंक डिड नॉट गेट
3: कैंपस है और कैंपस BHU BHU जो पिछले साल घटना में the वीके दीक्षित कमेटी की रिपोर्ट आई है उसमें ये बताया गया है कि वहां के चीफ प्रॉक्टर का ही बयान है बेसिकली तो जब ये रिपोर्ट आई उसके बाद जीनियूस के कुछ लोग वहां पहुंचे तो चीफ प्रॉक्टर प्रोफेसर रोयना सिंह ने बोला है कि जो बच्चे वहां प्रोटेस्ट कर रहे थे वो बाहर से था उनका uh, Pepsi bottle and you have to prove this. No proof. If you have to prove this, you have to prove this. So, if to prove this, you have to prove this. You have to prove this. You have to prove this. You have to
0: prove
3: this. You to
0: Oh, Nikita do you have do you want to weigh in on any of this no I think he's done a fairly comprehensive
4: Com- sort of look mm-hmm. at the uh, you know coverage because even for example I was just looking at Republic's uh, coverage oh. and um Something sort of caught my eye, which is that this is the biggest conspiracy since JNU
2: mm-hmm.
4: or something along those lines. I think I'm paraphrasing here is uh, what the ticker sort of said and which was interesting because, you know, even the way in which J- the JNU protests in February 2015 mm-hmm. were covered. Uh, and that has been written about a lot was extremely problematic. So, I think mm-hmm. these kind of inconsistencies that Rohin is pointing out as well.
3: In this case, I think that it's a very good thing that Hindi media is going to be a good thing. So, in this Hindi media, English media, Republic or Times now, or Hindi media, genius, which we have to use, they use a very rough language. कि उन्होंने इनडायरेक्टली राजदीप सरदेसाई को टारगेट किया उस अपने रिपोर्ट में जी न्यूज़ ने और बोला कि डिजाइनर पत्रकार वहां जाके इस तरीके की रिपोर्टिंग करते हैं तो मुझे लगता है कि जो कुछ शब्द हैं जैसे जब से मोदी सरकार आई है हमारे से कुछ सब छिन गए जैसे सेकुलर पहले लोग सेकुलर होने में गर्व करते थे आज सेकुलर होने में लोग अपने आप को मैं सेकुलर नहीं progressive मतलब से I think this is also because the kind of like
0: taking Hmm. it from that the kind of hate speech that is amplified by the leaders by the elected leaders is what's
3: making it so scary political science freedom of expression aur hate speech do alag alag cheeze lekin ab kya hota hai ki interview mein amit the usme bhi ek line hai ki yaar abhi raviish ko jo gali padi trolls हैं
0: I think that's that's one of the reasons why sort of hate speech fake news is problematic because there's no consensus as to what can be defined as what so taking it from there I wanted to talk about the incredible penetration that fake news has and uh, with two examples in particular one. Uh, which surfaced over the last two weeks, I think. One was a fake news piece showing pre-poll data in favor of the BJP in Karnataka, which was doing the rounds on social media. The more problematic aspect was that this had the BBC's logo on it. Right. So, and this logo was basically used as a tool to add credibility. The second piece was a tweak in the headline of a news piece carried in Times of India, where the word meet was changed to "mate." This was in reference to the meeting between Modi and Xi Jinping. Both BBC and uh, uh, the Times of India have issued clarification that that was not their news, it was fake and had been photoshopped. But the reason I want to point this out is basically because this sort of causes a loss in the trust and credibility that people place in in the media. Like according to a 2018 Edelman report, there's been a 10% decline in the public's trust in the media. So which is a very serious thing. And this decline has been from 2014 to 2018. So which is what I wanted to point out that we as media need to have proper debates about how to define these elements and how to sort of tackle them. Uh, Nikita if you want to weigh in on that yeah so I mean it's interesting that
4: you bring this up because uh, unrelated but uh, you know I was with a a few family members um, the other day and Mm. we were at a dinner and uh, it so happened that one of them said that oh you know uh Mumtaz has passed away and uh, there was a bit of a shock in you know among everyone who was sitting there and there was some there was some nostalgia about what a great actor she was some reminiscing about how much they liked her and at some point we kind of started looking for the news and at that point I sort of asked where they had seen this because I couldn't find it anywhere when I started looking and it turned out that it was a YouTube video. And so, you know, I mean, in a way, it was great because it turned out that she had not, in fact, passed away. And uh, But, I mean, it was a fairly small sort of incident, but it got, sort of got me thinking that, you know, we are currently in this uh, sort of news environment where some of us, because we happen to be in the profession will have some sort of understanding and also I think perhaps a certain generation of um, you know people who have grown up with the Mm -hmm. internet have the benefit of knowing how to be for most part and that is also restricted I think to a certain section of people but for most part are able to discern between Mm -hmm. what is sort of fake news and what isn't, what is a credible website what isn't but i was discussing this with someone i met socially the other day there is really no way to tell if you're not well versed with this ecosystem mm. i mean and with the whatsapp penetration it's very very
0: difficult absolutely to sort of hold
4: back. so for example at the time that the uh, katua rape case happened there were a lot of people who were sending whatsapp messages connecting rohingyas Mm. uh, to the incident which Mm. i mean for anyone who is able to access credible news organizations you would immediately know is not something that you need to be believing Mm. but uh, if you're getting it as a whatsapp and if you tend to depend on whatsapp or these kind of sources for your news which is not something that you can exactly blame someone for either right Mm -hmm. because um if i am sort of getting acquainted with It's just
0: taken a life of its own
4: it has and also if i'm getting acquainted with the internet and if i'm sort of picking up the threads on how to use it for Mm -hmm. a source of information there's a lot of work that goes (laughs) into understanding which organization i can trust in which i can't Mm -hmm. and so even let's say there's someone who thinks that they're going to research every claim that they see on whatsapp Where are you going to be researching this? You're going to do that on Google. What are the first 10 websites that you're going to see? Those are going to depend on SEO rankings, etc. And how are you to make sure that these websites that you're looking at are also going to be credible? Mm. True.
0: It's a lot of work. It's a lot of being very conscious about what you're reading, what you're consuming. Almost Mm.
4: hypersensitive, right? And so with the TOI example, example, I mean even journalists were taken in by that photoshop mm-hmm. for a while and yeah. of course uh, that got clarified later but that sort of I think is illustrative of how mm. deeply embedded the problem is and True. that's where I think sites uh, you know like alt um, uh, what Prateek Sinha is doing alt news, alt news or uh, boom fact check or a lot of these fact checking organizations. like at this point I think they're doing a public service you know mm-hmm. it's so vital.
3: मैं इसमें दो दो बात जोड़ना चाहता हूं कि एक तो जब फेक न्यूज़ की बात करते हैं तो हम लोग बहुत इसको रिसेंटली कोट करते हैं आ, मैं डीयू में एक पेपर प्रेजेंट कर रहा था तो वहां फेक न्यूज़ से बात चल रही थी तो वहां किसी ने पैनलिस्ट नहीं वहां बताया कि भारत का जो समाज है वो बहुत शुरू से ही फेक न्यूज़ के जवाने में और उन्होंने इसको कैसे पॉइंट आउट किया बोला कि रामायण की जो कहानियां हैं उसका कौन सा हिस्टोरिकल कंटेक्स्ट है तो जब हम लोग बचपन से ही बड़े हो रहे हैं उन चीजों में विश्वास करते है मतलब कोई आदमी फेक भी कर रहा है तो उसको लेजिटिमेसी के लिए क्रेडिबल न्यूज़ सोर्स का लोगो लगाना हुँ. है या आप देखिएगा वायर की जगह एक फेक न्यूज़ वेबसाइट है वायर्ड एक ने शुरू किया केबल ठीक <laughs> <laughs> है तो इस तरीके के मिले जुले नाम को वो ले के चलते हैं कि ताकि वो उसको लेजिटिमेट बना सके पहले मतलब हम लोग ये बोलते थे जब कोई गलत बोल रहा होता था, था कि तुम ये पढ़ो कैरावन की स्टोरी पढ़ लो फ्रंट की स्टोरी पढ़ लो अब आप जैसे ही कुछ बोलेंगे ना आप कटवा रेप के इसको कॉन्ट्राडिक्ट लोग बोलेंगे तुम ये india.com की पढ़ लो ये फलाने.com Bada challenge hai.
0: So moving on from that, since we have Nikita here, I also want to talk about Asianet News Network's new web uh, new web portal web operation that they are launching in right. Delhi. So, Nikita, you've done a profile of on Rajiv Chandrasekhar right. So what like would you be able to comment on the scope that this uh, operation would have and what do you think would come off this operation with the, the investment from rajiv Chandrasekhar's own Jupiter Capital?
4: Right. So, uh, Atul and I had done the profile on rajiv Chandrasekhar for the media issue as you've already pointed out. Um, on the Deddy operations, I think it would be difficult to comment at this mm-hmm. stage because I think apart from knowing
0: who the editor is, which, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, was a news laundry story. Yes, news laundry broke the story um, Yes. Yeah if I'm not on April 26th you can find the link below
4: right so um, apart from that I think there is little information Mm -hmm. and I haven't really reported on the story so I would not be comfortable commenting on that Uh, just in terms of the profile though you know Uh, We had done an extensive sort of section on Asianet Mm -hmm. um, in Kerala and I think uh, that's a channel that comes with a very interesting sort of history because uh, it was started in the early 90s by Shashi Kumar uh, along, you know, who's a very senior journalist himself and um, his uncle Reggie Menon. um, you know, what we had sort of noted in the profile is that Rajiv Chandrasekhar will often or used to at least often point to mm-hmm. Asianet um, as an example of him not, you know, to kind of quell any um, misgivings about his interference with his media organizations, mm-hmm. uh, saying that it was the market that dictated mm-hmm. um, what this channel did. or He's what done in, the
0: same for Republic. He's disassociated or rather stepped down after he became... Right. Um, so this was before, which is why I said this was earlier, mm-hmm. uh, before he had stepped down
4: at the time that we were reporting for the profile. So mm-hmm. an interesting thing that we sort of noted there is that, you know, it's a fairly... Um, convenient sort of posturing, right? That Mm -hmm. uh, Republic does what seems to work um, nationally for English news and uh, Asianet does what works Mm -hmm. in Kerala. The truth is slightly more complicated than that, which is that at least uh, the parent news organization, the news television channel in Asianet, you need to look at their coverage or um, their neutrality in the context of its uh, anti-sendence, right? So... Um, Asianet uh, and the journalists that I met from there who were a part of its sort of, uh, you know, when it was founded and subsequently Mm -hmm. really pride themselves on being the kind of channel that valued the truth above everything else. So Mm -hmm. I remember, for example, that I met Neelan, who used to be one of the early Mm -hmm. employees at Asianet on the editorial team and uh, he had said that you know um, this was a channel that was fearless Paul Zakaria who I think was one of the people who helped in the conceptualization of the channel said Mm -hmm. that it very much wanted to focus on the voice of the marginalized Mm -hmm. and those kind of progressive values um, from what I understood is kind of what shaped Asianet Mm -hmm. and yes it had dense uh, when it subsequently changed owners uh, once before Chandrasekhar took over Mm -hmm. and then, of course, he kind of finally took over the channel. But there's a lot of fierceness in mm-hmm. the kind of pride that the journalists there seem to take mm-hmm. um, in making sure that their channel was neutral. More important, Have
0: you seen that continuing even now after the change in ownership?
4: Right. So, uh, initially, from what I understood from the journalists who I spoke to, there was not a lot of interference. Mm-hmm. But a few of them did seem to feel that... Once Chandrasekhar became a little more active in Kerala politics as well, because you know he um, sort of join didn't join the BJP at that time, but he he held a position in the NDA in Kerala, and during the assembly elections, there is when they started. One journalist, one former journalist from Asianet had told me that as his interest in Kerala grew, so did his interest in Asianet. Mm -hmm. And since then, they felt that there were some signs of interference. A person who was present at a meeting a year before we wrote the profile, uh, one source told us that there was a meeting that was held at which S. Guru Murthy, the ideologue, Mm -hmm. was also present and sort of chided Chandrasekhar, according to this person, for the anti-RSS status Mm -hmm. of Asianet. At which point it was discussed that it would be very difficult to effect a change overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, you also have to factor in the viewers in Kerala who are mm-hmm. used to seeing Asianet as a certain kind of channel. Mm-hmm. Which it really is the most popular and credible channel in so Kerala. So has the
0: posturing of Asianet as not anti-RSS changed over time? It,
4: I mean, uh, there was a sense among some people that it had changed. But by and large, they seemed to feel... Uh, I mean, it, the opinion seemed a little divided, but it seemed to me that it had been fractured enough for people to start having some misgivings. And at that meeting, for example, the person who was who were present there told us um, that there was a discussion about possibly maybe looking at some changes in the editorial department, mm-hmm. which were later attempted, but didn't really go through. Um, a journalist who used to be at Asianet also said that there were smaller changes, right? Mm-hmm. Like not really changes that you can sort of Uh, Point to very blatantly and say that this is where interference has definitely been made, but Mm -hmm. uh, changes where you're kind of wondering what's going on. So there seem to be a sense that something is happening for sure Mm -hmm. and that it's not as clear cut as it was made out to be.
0: Even in the news laundry report, like we have our sources informing us that the website, the new website that's coming up will be positioned as a center-right news property and it will counter the left narrative. It remains for us to see how this operation will fare out once it's up and running. So before we close out, rohan do you want to share your recommendations?
3: This <laughs> week, me Karl Marx's ki doson bhi jayanti thi, I mean, World's tha. So I quint ki ek piece hai aur usko Purushottam Agrawal ne likha hai. Uska title hai Karl Marx at 200 No Dear Capitalism He is not irrelevant yet. तो ये स्टोरी बहुत मजेदार है कि किस तरीके से मार्क्स ने जो बातें बोली और आज मार्क्स को तरीके तरीके से इंटरप्रेट करने वाले लोग हैं कुछ लोग जेनयू को ही एक मार्क्सिस्ट इंटरप्रेटेशन के तौर पे देखते तो वो रूलर्स ऑफ द वर्ल्ड को ये बताना चाह रहे हैं पुरुषोत्तम अग्रवाल कि मार्क्स की जो आइडियोलॉजी है वो आज भी इररिलेवेंट नहीं है और अब शायद और भी ज्यादा रिलेवेंट है क्योंकि जिस तरीके से हम लोग सब कैपिटलिज्म के जज्मे चले गए हैं तो मार्क्स को एक करना है
4: um So Sukanya, a reporter with The Wire, had an excellent uh, series of reports uh, that she did from the Gachiroli district in Maharashtra, where mm-hmm. um, the police had claimed that, you know, it is one of the largest operations in terms of the number of Maoists who mm-hmm. were killed. In through a series of three stories, and I think she did one follow-up uh, just a day or two on a statement released by the CPI Maoist. Uh, group as well but essentially through a series of three very like intrepid reports and exhaustively sort of done so Kanya kind of points out that there is a possibility that civilians and possibly children uh, who were in fact going for a wedding Mm -hmm. to an adjoining village may also have been killed in this encounter that The police has claimed as you know is a successful ambush that was planned and executed Mm -hmm. um, by them and I think uh, it makes for very very difficult reading but also that would be a story that I think should get all the kind of attention that it Mm -hmm. can uh, for what it points out.
0: So, my recommendation for this week would be our previous two previous podcasts that Reporters Without Orders have done. One would be where we also discuss Judge Lawyer, and the second podcast is the one we did last, is our last podcast, which was on uh, the 2018 uh, F- Press Freedom Index. I say that because there has been, as he mentioned, there there was an attack by communal elements on rajdeep who was yes who was very dignified in his response as to not to engage with them right so which is why i would request uh, i would recommend that uh, listeners listen to the last podcast also i would recommend reading both the caravans and the indian express's stories to all our readers so that they can see the difference in coverage and Uh, they can come to a conclusion on their own. So, and before we close out, this is a good time to plug um, our two reporters who are in Karnataka, Manisha Pandey and uh, Amit Bhardwaj, who are bringing us all the ground reports from the Karnataka polls and all this costs costs money. So I would request you all to uh, subscribe to News Laundry because when advertisers pay, advertisers are served and when the public pays, the public is served. Thank you.